what matters most is that you are involved. So if your kid is in private school, public school, homeschool, you know, virtual school, whatever, um, online classes, it, you have to be involved. That's like the bottom line there. And you are the one that has to continue to advocate for your kid. The more that you are involved in their education and the more that you advocate for them, the better they're going to be. Hey y'all, thanks so much for listening in today to the Confident Mompreneur podcast, the podcast by real women for real women, where we talk about real life difficulties and triumphs as women, moms, business owners, and more. Thanks so much for being a part of our Confident Tribe. Let's get into it. Hello. Hey. How are you? You're in your car. Nice and laid back. I love that. (laughs) Yes. We're very laid back here. Well, thank you so much for being on with me today. I'm super excited. Uh, Andrea, do you want to start us out by introducing yourself a little bit about you, who you are, your family, all of those good things? Sure. Uh, My name is Andrea Smith. Um, I am a homeschool mom and I have two kids um, six and eight. So technically kindergarten, they just finished kindergarten and second grade. Um, and we have been, we just finished our third year homeschooling. I say finished, but we really sort of school and learn year round. Um, and we are what I like to call sort of like pandemic homeschoolers, uh, because my son (laughs) was going, I was a teacher. Um, so I was a middle school house teacher when the pandemic hit. And before I was a teacher, I was a community um, health specialist working with youth and doing youth development programs. And so um, when it was pretty apparent that things were going to not go back in person in the fall, um, I had already considered leaving my teaching position um, for various reasons. And with my son starting kindergarten in the fall, I, and he's also um, neurodivergent, so um, you know, I just knew that virtual learning was not going to work for him. And, uh, it was going to be extremely difficult for me to teach live while having my two kids at home. So, um, I just didn't return to my position and we decided to homeschool. And that first year was incredibly hard. Um, I think for any homeschooler, just during the pandemic, it was incredibly hard um, because just like for everybody else, nobody could really go out and do, do much. Um, and so really your community, if you had a community was sort of ripped apart, just like everyone else. And um, you were kind of left on your own. Um, but that first year was really hard. Um, we did not have any sort of community uh, and it just was so difficult um, because I was trying to figure out how my teacher brain was going to translate into homeschooling. Um, And as a teacher, you have to be very organized and um, precise and you pretty much plan, or at least a lot of teachers pretty much plan everything down to the minute. And it was not working that way, uh, doing homeschooling with my kids. So, so I, it's been this, uh, evol- uh, you know, we've sort of gone through the motions in these last three years and found a really good place, but any homeschooler will tell you that it's the first year is the hardest. And, um, and I actually had my kids, my, my oldest enrolled that next year to go to public school. And then something told us at the last minute, 
maybe it's just not going to work there for him. Um, he was in preschool in person, uh, but we just had this feeling that it, we just still needed to continue homeschooling and try it again the second year. And that's when things started to sort of feel a little bit calmer. Um, and here we are finishing up our third year and we're going to head into our fourth year in the fall. So, that is so awesome. Yeah. I, I love that you, I was going to say, I feel like you're uniquely qualified to do homeschooling because you were a teacher, but it sounds like maybe it was kind of a hindrance to finding that flow within your own family and what was going to work for you guys. Do you feel like that's true? hundred <laughs> percent. And I, and I'm not the only one I have talked to so many homeschoolers who were teachers, um, and how they just say, it just doesn't translate. Um, you know, as a teacher, yes, you have your specific area of expertise, right? That's what you went to school for. Um, it's your, what you specialize in, but a lot of what teaching is, is classroom management and learning how, um, kind of like crowd control sort of. Um, <laughs> and so, it just trying to replicate school, uh, traditional school style at home didn't work for our family. There are plenty of homeschool families that do sort of replicate that school environment. Um, and a lot of the times it's because that's what works best for their kid, um, but that does not work for us. So so yeah, my, my teacher brain, I have ADHD. My teacher brain is very type A and I'm super organized. Um, I am not like that in real life, like, like in my extracurriculars of life, like I'm just not an organized person. I have, I'm very particular about things, but <clears throat> it just was so hard to sit there and spend hours planning out the day for the next day for my kids only to have them look at it and be like, I'm just not interested in that. <laughs> and, you know, and then not be able to check that box off. It was like really maddening. And it, it brought a lot of tears from like, not just the kids, but for me too, which is why I originally was like, okay, we're done after this first year, we have to put him into school. Um, and I'm so glad that we didn't and that homeschooling is working out for us because it truly is, when you choose to homeschool, it is because it works for your family. You're, you know, I am, I'm a huge advocate for choosing whatever education style works best for your kids and your family. Um, and so if down the road, my kids ask about trying out public school, uh, because um, private school is just not, not for us, um, <laughs> but if they want to try public school down the road, we're open to the, having that conversation. Um, and I, I've, I've met a lot of homeschoolers who, who sort of uh, have that sort of same mindset with homeschooling. Um, because there, there are a lot of stereotypes out there with homeschoolers and the type of homeschoolers. Um, mm -hmm. I'm sure you have a, a, an image in your mind of what a homeschool family looks like. Um, mm -hmm. And I think what social media has brought the attention to is not only that there are homeschoolers who use homeschooling in a way that is not great for their family um, or for the rest of the community, uh, but there's also a lot of homeschoolers now, especially post pandemic or, you know, as we're moving out of this pandemic era that are really what I sort of consider as like mainstream homeschoolers. So we're choosing homeschooling simply because it works better for our family and we want to spend more time with our kids. And that's really all it is. Um, my husband is a firefighter. And so when I was working full time as a teacher and he does shift work, so he works 24 hours at a time. Um, there were weeks where 
we didn't see each other. He and I never saw each other during the week ever. And then it's unless he had his four days off over a weekend where he would get Saturday and Sunday off. Um, he was either working Saturday or Sunday for 24 hours. And so then the kids weren't seeing him and they were in preschool and daycare for sometimes 10, 11 hours uh, because my job was 40 minutes away and I was doing all the drop-offs and pickups and it was just really stressful. <laughs> and so for us, homeschooling has really been about taking control of time and being able to have the freedom to spend this extra time with our kids um, where if they were in traditional school, it just, it just wouldn't be that way. My husband would probably never see the, you know, he would rarely see the kids. Um, and if I stayed home, um, I would be bored out of my mind. So I would have to go back to work <laughs> in some capacity. And, um, but then again, I would never see my husband. So it just, you know, it's just working out great for us. I love that. And I think that's so important that you emphasize, like, just do whatever works best for your family. Mm -hmm. I do think you hit the nail on the head, though, with all of the kind of biases and stereotypes that come mm -hmm. with being a homeschooler. I mean, you see, like, the documentaries come out, like the one recently about the Duggar family, right, that they have that homeschooling aspect of it, and it's mm -hmm. very, very, like, you know, I it's think alarming. it emphasizes, yeah, the yeah. parts of homeschooling, and mm -hmm. so that's what people see it as. However, on the other side, we did have COVID who came in and kind of knocked out our entire school system. And most parents had to transfer into some method of quote unquote homeschooling for their kids. Mm -hmm. And now a lot of people are actually doing that, you know, full time, even after the COVID was kind of done. Mm -hmm. So I do think it's important that we see that some of those stereotypes and biases are not correct and that there are plenty of normal families out here doing this as well. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, that, that docuseries, Shiny Happy People, I, and so I, I do have social media, the humorous homeschooler. And I originally started that because I just felt like, um, like I said, I didn't have a community. Right. Mm -hmm. And, um, I really just needed an outlet. I needed to be able to share my experience as a homeschooler and see if anybody else was experiencing the same things. Because what I was finding was a lot of the homeschool content that I came across was this pretty packaged, like here are these activities you can do with your kids. Here is this morning basket. Here's all of my neutral color baskets and toys. And, you know, a very like whimsical looking, um, and trust us. <laughs> yes. And, and that just wasn't reflective of my experience. And so I was having a lot of trouble finding homeschoolers talking about the real side and the realities of homeschooling and talking about sort of the, even though you're choosing this path, this lifestyle, you can still talk about the hard things. It's just like when you, you choose to become a parent, right? It doesn't mean that you you aren't allowed to say, this is really hard. <laughs> this is really hard being a mom. That's not what that means. It just, it just means that you, you now, I was able to finally say, right, I'm choosing homeschooling and it's still hard and that's okay. It's still better than the alternative, you know? And that's mm -hmm. really what, what I wanted to create. And so now I've created this really awesome community of people virtually. It also led me to find my 
uh, community in real life. And so in this year, in year three, was really where I found my uh, community in real life where we met once a week and they, it was all people that I jived with and like our kids got along and it was great. And so really what I wanted to bring with my account was the realness and rawness of homeschooling and not sort of like show this, that it's this shiny, pretty package because it's not. And I think that that can be misleading um, mm -hmm. because it is really, it's a really difficult thing to choose. It's not easy all the time. Um, but like I said, I still wouldn't, I still wouldn't trade it for anything right now. And I'm not saying that won't change in the future, but for now it's working. And so on my social media, I'm circling back. I had posted a reel over after shiny, happy people came out, um, about that and how, you know, in the homeschooling community, it's really easy to get defensive when people question your choice to homeschool. And it's really easy to try to prove that homeschooling works by getting your kids in all the activities, showing that their test scores are high, showing that they're so socialized, that they have friends, that they do know how to communicate. And to that, after I watched that docu documentary, it really, and I knew that that existed. I knew that that, I knew that that, you know, cult of homeschool world existed. I just had never seen it sort of described and shown in such detail before. And so after watching that, I just was like, wow, I get it. Like, I get why people are so sort of like triggered by homeschooling, whether that is the thought of an entire group of people using homeschooling as a catalyst to, um, for some really hurtful, oppressive things, or they've personally experienced that form of homeschooling. And I don't want to invalidate anybody's experience. And so if you go back on, on that video a few weeks back, it got a lot of views. I think it's at like 250,000 or something. And so there's a really large comment section um, of really great conversations uh, and people sharing their stories about how they were in that or they were in something like that and that that's why homeschooling can be so triggering. And that's why there is sort of this fear around this big push for people to homeschool right now, because um, just, I think just politically how we are as a country right now, we're very divided um, and polarized. And so uh, when you see droves of people choosing to homeschool for uh, alarming reasons, in my opinion, um, it makes it really difficult to get behind this movement of homeschooling. Um, and so that's why a lot of my platform now, um, I've moved towards uh, sort of really advocating for being inclusive in homeschooling, uh, being diverse, and uh, what that looks like for us, and sharing other creators who value that as well, uh, because I want people to know that, you know, we're out there. There are secular, inclusive homeschoolers um, that are not the shiny, happy people, homeschoolers. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I love that you're doing that and you're creating like that inclusive environment that mm -hmm. is more welcoming, um, for anybody who's looking to homeschool. And you mm -hmm. talked a lot about like the community aspect of it. And I think that that's one of the biggest concerns, you know, especially with my generation, it was like, you know, I knew a couple of homeschool kids, but they were always that quote unquote, awkward you know yeah. hadn't been socialized whatever types yeah. of kids so I love that you're bringing that community aspect in there and you're 
getting together groups of those families so that you guys can support each other and your kids can get to know each other Mm -hmm. and still have that social aspect of things. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's like the big question, right? Like we're how, how are your kids going to socialize? And (laughs) that's like the number one question I feel like homeschoolers get. And for me and how I see socialization is not a perfectly curated, uh, sit with these 30 kids in class all day, every day, sort of socialization. Um, and I don't know about other teachers, but I know for us, I didn't let my kids, my students, you know, like talk in class all the time, because if they did, then we got behind on the lesson. And so we definitely did group activities and there was teamwork and there's a certain aspect of socialization in traditional school. But for me, I have never had a job where I am with all of the same age people uh, every day of my job. And I also, you know, my kids get to go out and sort of interact with all types of people, all age ranges, um, all genders, like, you know, it just, it, it is what it is. And so for us, the socialization aspect is like, my kids socialize pretty often, like out, out outside of our house. And uh, they will talk your ear off if you <laughs> let them, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I just think that I, I think the underlying question of are they how are they going to socialize um, to me really seems more like how are they going to fit in? How are they going to blend in? And that's just not that's just not our, our goal there. <laughs> you know, we, we don't <laughs> mind being the weirdos. We don't mind our kids standing out. We want our kids to have their voices heard loudest and uh, make change. And we're OK with them being the, uh, the ones that stand out and are a little bit different. And I hope that, I hope that they're okay with that too, as they get older, but uh, part of our homeschooling personally, our homeschooling philosophy is to include them in and communicate with them on, on the way we homeschool and why we're homeschooling and things like that. So communication with our kids is pretty open. I love that. And yes, I agree. We love the weirdos. I yeah. I love being the weirdo, and that's something I always tell my son. He's like, "Mom, you are so weird," and I'm like, "Yeah, yeah I'm proud of it. Thank you very much." Right, right. So, <laughs> Not to mention, I like, I, I mean, the majority of people go to public school, right, or go to traditional school, and there's plenty of weirdos out there that went the traditional route and are still like considered the weird ones of a group. And I know I definitely was, and I was public schooled, so yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So, and you mentioned both you and your son are neurodivergent, right? Um, How do you guys make sure that like whatever you're doing works out for both of you guys? Because I know sometimes, especially having multiple neurodivergent people working against each other can kind of be overwhelming sometimes. Yeah, no, I think that's the word, honestly, overwhelming. It is. Yeah. (laughs) And I don't, like I said, it's, um, homeschooling, it it evolves every year. So it's different every year. And so if something wasn't working out this past year, then we're going to alter and and try to change how it goes the next year. Um, But to be honest, my son is the one who really showed me um, the path of unschooling. And I would not call us, uh, we're not like traditional unschoolers. We don't follow a strict unschooling philosophy. We still pull from curriculum, but we don't follow curriculum to a T. We're more interest-led, child-based, or child-led, interest-based learning um, because my son can hyper-focus for three hours on one task. 
Uh, but then with other things, cannot. He's like a butterfly. Um, he's just like on to the next. And so he really, really showed me that learning happens naturally every single day and that it, there doesn't always need to be a plan. There really doesn't um, in homeschooling. And sometimes there does need to be a plan because what's important for us is having a rhythm and routine in our house. So we do have that aspect of our homeschool, like our daily life. Um, but I, I started to utilize this thing called reverse planning. And it essentially what it is, is at the end of every day, <clears throat> I would go back and I would think about sort of the activities we did, the conversations we had, the books we read, the outings we went on, and I would write them down. And then after the day was done, I would assign them to a subject. Um, and that led me to really this past, this unschoolish life where I, I don't plan anything for any day. Um, and we just kind of live our life. And there are some days where we really only do reading, like we'll sit and read some books and practice reading. And then there's other days where we hit every single subject that we need to. Um, and so really it's just about living life and keeping track of sort of what our kids are passionate about and seeing what the, what the patterns are, what the trends are, um, which also shows us how they learn best and what they're really interested in. Um, and that's been, that was a game changer for us. And I found that about midway in our second year, um, doing reverse planning and it's been life-saving to be honest. Hmm. Yeah. That's a super interesting way of doing it is just like figuring out how, what you already did fits into the plan. Cause that's one of my big questions that I had was like, is there a curriculum that you're regularly using or is it kind of that unlearning, um, you know, style, yeah. or it sounds like you kind of mix the two together. Yeah. I have an entire bin of curriculum, uh, most of it unused, but there are, there's so much good in those, in that curriculum, any, all of them that I have in various subjects that anytime we come across something that the kids are interested in, I can pull an activity from the curriculum. Um, now that's what works for us. There are so many homeschool families that choose a curriculum, like a box curriculum is what we call it. And it's basically open and go, you open it up, everything's planned out for you and you go week by week. Um, and that, like I said in the beginning, that just didn't work for us because of the way my son is wired. Um, now my daughter who is six, she's a lot more like, she will sit and do worksheets. She would sit and do 10 worksheets if I asked her to. Um, but my son is the opposite. He is not a worksheet kid. So we had to think outside the box a little bit more. And that's, and that's sort of the real beauty of homeschooling is that, you know, we have these individual um, education plans in school, right? IEPs. Um, and I wish it could be that way for every kid in school where every kid gets their individualized education plan. And it just can't be that way. That's just not how it operates there. But that's the beauty of homeschooling is that you essentially can make an IEP for your child and follow that. And it's personalized and you get to mod modify it and it, and it just, it works out great. I mean, you know, it. I can't think of really a better way to allow my kids to work at their own pace without feeling the pressures and anxiety of like the test taking and things like that at this age, you know, at six and eight. Mm -hmm. um, 
And so that's just, that's just my experience with it so far. Um, but like I said, there are plenty of homeschool families who, who do stick to a curriculum um, because that's what works for their kids and it works and it works fine for them. Just not us. Nice. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. yeah. My son is um, five. He'll be turning six in October and going into kindergarten, but mm -hmm. he has been on an IEP in his preschool for the last year. He's mm -hmm. at ADHD and, you know, some social um emotional behavioral you know things yeah. going on and stuff and that was one of the big things when I was looking at um kindergarten is like placing him in the right school where he was going to be able to have the teachers and resources available to him to really mm -hmm. work with him in the way that he is going to learn the best and so we were able to get into a school it's called the lab school but it's more of a hands-on learning style they actually have some combined grades so mm -hmm. that if they're working on a higher level they can go with some of the older kids if they're working at their grade level they can go with some of the younger kids mm -hmm. like it's way more flexible in the learning style and things so that was one of the big things for me of why I chose to do it mm -hmm. and I think that's the biggest key in like what you're doing and what I'm hearing is just like making sure that what you're doing is going to be the best option for you, your family, and especially your kids. Yeah, absolutely. And that school sounds amazing. Like, wouldn't it be just awesome if all schools could be that way? Mm -hmm. And it's just not possible, right? They're just not structured that way. But that I'm so happy that he's going to have that. And for you too, yeah. like, I'm sure it was like a huge weight lifted off of you to know that he was going to be in the, or he will be in the right school for him where he's, his learning style is going to be looked at and taken care of. And yeah, that's just great. I love that. Yeah. Cause it's been difficult, you mm -hmm. know, um, he's in summer school right now, like his pre-kindergarten summer school mm -hmm. and they're not working with he's not able to work with his therapist and stuff that he's typically with because they're off during the summers mm -hmm. and his teachers are just really struggling to understand him, how he learns, where he's coming from, you mm -hmm. know, some of the behavioral issues and stuff. So it's really hard as a parent too to see your kid go through that and feel like they're not being understood by the people around them. Yeah. And, um, I had him come to me the other day and he told me that he was a bad kid because oh. he had done some bad things, you know, at school. He had had yeah. some behavioral issues that day. Yeah. And it broke my heart. I was like, who yeah. is telling you that you're a bad kid because of, you know, some maybe decisions that you made throughout the yeah. day. And that is so hard um, being a parent and seeing that. Absolutely. Um, I feel like that we could probably talk for hours about <laughs> that because what a lot of what you're saying is personally relatable. Um, I don't talk about my kids much. I don't actually show them on social media. Um, mm -hmm. I used to, when I had a like very small following, but we're creeping up on like 9,000 right now. So I started to feel uncomfortable sharing, you know, the private stuff about my kids, but I chat with so many people in my DMS, especially on Instagram that like there are, there are people that know about my, our our uh, private 
sort of challenges with um, the neurodiversities in our house. And a lot of what you're saying is like on the nose um, for our for our experience too. Um, and it's really hard. <laughs> I feel like that when your kid comes to you and says that they're bad, it's it's the start of like that internalized like um, negative self self talk and uh, self esteem going sort of like low self esteem starting to show up and um, yeah, I just that that breaks my heart too. Yeah, it's it's so hard, but I love that like you were able to take that from your son and be able to create a homeschool environment that is so fitting for all of you guys. And I know it took time and yeah. work and stuff to get there, but I love that yeah. you, you've done that for you guys. Yeah. And I will say, um, you know, there are, there are so many things about homeschooling that like people don't know, but for us, uh, so it depends on what state you're in, but in the state of Maryland, we still had rights to have our kids go through the IEP process. Um, mm -hmm. So last year, it would have been last spring uh, of 2022, um, we actually had one of our kids go through the IEP process um, just to see, um, you know, get an extra set of eyes and ears on sort of the challenges that we were seeing. And um, it was a wonderful experience. And so I would urge anybody who is homeschooling or starting to homeschool, especially if your child is in the public school system, um, if they already have an IEP, uh, check in. If you're, if you are considering homeschooling, check in with your district to see if they can still utilize that IEP even while homeschooling. Um, that, that would be a huge piece of advice I would give to people is just know your rights as a homeschooler. Um, we don't have many here in Maryland. <laughs> we don't have access to much, but we do have access to going through that IEP process. Um, now we can't get services for anything that he needs. Um, but I know in a lot of states, your child still can, uh, which is a huge advantage. Um, so yeah. Yeah, that is a great thing to know. I had no idea that you could still do that, but I think that's really important because even if you're homeschooling there there may be resources that are available to yes. you or even if there's not you at least have a better idea of how to help your child with some of the challenges that you are seeing or facing absolutely and that's ultimately that what it did for us is that we we saw sort of the way um you know, you knowing how the IEP process goes, you kind of have a better understanding of how your child learns then. And so then we were able to mm -hmm. sort of bring that into our homeschool. Um, and yeah, I, my, my other thing that I always say is like, it really doesn't matter how you're choosing your child to have, to get their education. What matters most is that you are involved. So if your kid is in private school, public school, homeschool, you know, virtual school, whatever, um, online classes, it, you have to be involved. That's like the bottom line there. And you are the one that has to continue to advocate for your kid, especially our small ones, uh, who, you know, sometimes can't say for themselves what they need. The more that you are involved in their education and the more that you advocate for them, the better they're going to be. So, um, yeah, that's just, it's a huge, huge component of just getting our kids through, through this journey of education in general. Mm -hmm. And these are such important years for our kids in a mm -hmm. lot of different ways. 
So mm-hmm. we we need to make sure that we're making them the best possible. And if homeschooling is the best possible choice for them, like mm-hmm. at, now we have so many more resources that can point us in the right direction on how to do it. Or, you know, we can try things and learn and try new things just like you did. So Yeah, absolutely. And there's, and honestly, there is a homeschool community out there for everybody. Um, and if you're on sort of uh, my end of things where I am a secular, which means non-religious, um, secular, uh, inclusive homeschooler, um, you can definitely, you know, follow me on the social media, uh, connect with me that way. Um, I also do have a webinar that is going to be live in September where I will where I'm going to be talking about um, inclusion in homeschooling. Um, and it's actually going to be launched simultane- simultaneously with a homeschool toolkit. Um, and this is because I'm a former health teacher, um, I really was concerned about this gap now that we have with, all, with the rise in homeschooling. Um, it leaves uh, kids, there's, there's no more access to health education resources unless you yourself as the parent or caregiver or the, the homeschooler know where to access that information and find that there, there is no inclusive, um, uh, health curriculum out there. There's nothing. Um, and so there are, there are a few health curriculums. There are more unit studies, but they are purposely non-inclusive. Um, and to be honest, that just really lit a fire under me <laughs> because I'm super passionate about being inclusive and so I um, am partnering with this a wonderful organization called Advocates for Youth. Um, specifically, their program is called uh, Amaze. And so you can go to their website, amaze.org. Um, they have a YouTube channel too. And they, uh, they also, um, they have on their website uh, lesson plans, but they are geared towards classroom setting. And so when I reached out to them, um, I said, hey, there's this huge gap now. Um, You know, homeschoolers are not going to have access to, um, depending on your state, uh, comprehensive sex education. And so what what can we do about this? And so we we are now, we've been working every other week I meet and we are working on a homeschool toolkit that's gonna be available for free on their website. Uh, where it's going to include lesson plans for all grade levels, all the way through high school, um, for um, health education. And I'm just really excited about it. And so I'll talk about that um, a little bit in the, the live webinar in September. But if you're if that's something you're interested in, and I'm the type of community that you're you're wanting to be a part of, then follow me on the Humorous Homeschooler um, on Instagram. I'm also on TikTok, but it's a little bit different there in that in that realm. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Well, yeah. that's wonderful. Thank you for sharing those resources with us. Yeah. Um, do you have any final tips, tricks, tools, anything like that for the moms that are maybe stay-at-home moms or work-from-home moms that really are interested in looking into homeschooling as an option? Uh, so my biggest advice and this is this is gonna this is not gonna be typical advice that what you're gonna get from a lot of homeschoolers. My biggest advice is if you're going to if you're going down the road of wanting to choose homeschooling, 
make sure you as the primary homeschooler, meaning somebody, the person who is going to be taking on this role of being the person teaching your kids, educating your kids, which is predominantly the, the women in the house, right? Um, I'm not saying my husband is super involved, um, but I would consider myself the primary homeschooler. Um, if you're going to go down this road of homeschooling, please make sure that you have support as the primary homeschooler. Um, because if your mental health, if your, if your physical body, your, your mental health, your emotional state is not taken care of, you are really going to struggle with homeschooling and it is not going to work out. Uh, because you got to take care of yourself. And I feel like we're told that a lot as moms in general, right? Self-care. Uh, but it's really, it's, it's more than self-care. It's about making sure you have the support you need put in place. And so what that might mean is if you have a family member, can they take your kids a couple of times a week so that you have a few hours to yourself because you will be with your kids all the time. <laughs> and yeah. so, you know, there is, there is sort of, um, an adjustment period. You know, you go from, especially if your kid is in, in the school system already, and you go from not really being around your child all that much to now you are with them almost 24 seven. And you will get to a point where they're in activities and you're busy and you know, all that stuff. Um, but if you don't have time for yourself, if you're the type of person that needs alone time, like I am, um, then you've got to get that support, get those supports put in place before you decide that you want to homeschool. Um, now, I know that there's a lot of scenarios where there are parents who are choosing to homeschool for a lot of different reasons, a lot of them for safety reasons. Um, you know, bullying is a major, is a major one that I hear from a lot of people wanting to homeschool. Um, obviously there's other safety concerns, but there are situations where like, you got to get your kid out like instantly, right? Like you need to get them out of the school system because it's just not working out. It's for, you need, you need to protect them and help them. Um, so try, try to slow yourself down and don't feel like you have to rush into buying curriculum, getting things organized right away, figure it out as a family, how to spend time together and go through what us homeschoolers like to call it the de-schooling process, um, which can actually take months. Um, and if you want to learn more about de-schooling, all you have to do is just type in that hashtag or Google it. Um, but essentially what it means is you're retraining your brain to understand what learning can actually look like out of the traditional school setting, um, because it alleviates a lot of the pressure that you're going to feel. Um, and you you know, you come out of the traditional school setting and you're almost in a daze because you were, you realize how busy you were and what the rush around is like. I mean, we all know what the rush around is in the morning. Um, that is one of the reasons, one of the reasons why I left my teaching position and decided that homeschooling is for us is because the mornings were just dreadful. They were awful. Um, you know, there were meltdowns, there were, it just, it was so stressful. Um, and so I wholeheartedly appreciate our slow mornings around here. Um, we typically don't do anything before 10 o'clock, uh, like out of the house. Like we are a very like slow go in the morning type of family. Um, and I really, I'm thankful for that. Um, but you know, getting through, so taking care of your needs as get support as somebody who wants to start homeschooling, 
and also go through that de-schooling process once you decide to do that. And you've got to know what the laws are in your state. Um, and that's a simple Google. If you just um, Google homeschool laws in whatever state you live in, um, you have to know exactly what uh, you need to be doing as a homeschooler um, because it's different for every state. Some states you sign a piece of paper and they never check up on you again. Um, <laughs> there's zero regulation. Um, and some states like mine, you have to do portfolio reviews twice a year and have an example of each subject, which there are seven subjects we have to keep track of. And you have to show three examples for every subject twice a year. Um, so it's a little bit more strict. Um, and other than that, I, I just always say like, if you are feeling the pull to homeschool and definitely if your kid is on board, um, try it, like just try it and see how it goes. And if it's worse than when they were in the traditional school setting, they can always go back, you mm -hmm. know, nothing, yeah. nothing's permanent. Homeschooling doesn't have to be permanent and neither does traditional school. Yeah. I love that you're so flexible in it too. So, and yeah. you know, time can shift things and exactly. you can change your mind. Your kids can change their minds, whatever. Yeah, exactly. So. You never know where life is going to take you and that just keep an open mind and it's all good. Yeah, wonderful. Well, this was so helpful, so educational for me. I'm sure it'll be helpful for other oh, moms good. out there. Mm -hmm. So thank you so much for doing this. Plug yourself one more time. Tell us where to find you. Uh, yep, you can find me on Instagram and um, my handle is the humorous homeschooler. Um, I'm also on TikTok, um, but that is if you like a little spicier, Andrea, you can go there. So that's, I, I add a little bit more spice to that. <laughs> So that you well, can follow you. me there, but Instagram is where you can find me the most. Okay, perfect. Well, thank you so much for being here. Yeah, thanks for having me. Y'all, wasn't that just incredible? Thank you for being here with me today. And if you loved this episode, please leave us a review and share and tag us on all your socials. We'll see you next time.